Be the Good is all about people doing good in the world while following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I'm Kate Cherichello, and welcome to today's episode. If you are enjoying these stories, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much. You can also join our Facebook community under the group title, Be the Good with Kate Cherichello. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. Last week, Be the Good with Kate had a window into mental health from the eyes of a therapist, the wonderful Jonathan Asayag. And so now this week, I'm thankful to have a guest giving us a point of view from the side of someone who is in therapy, working through each day and sharing her struggles and triumphs with others along the way. It takes a lot of strength to do that, and she is helping others to find ways to incorporate this information and encouragement into her life, in addition to finishing grad school and exploring what's next. JJ Kells has obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, and she has worked so hard to ensure she runs her life, not it. It's a part of my experience all day, every day, she explains. But listen to how JJ explains her journey, discovering so much about herself, therapy, tactics to cope with the stressors, and more. Her courage to share is amazing. She gives insight and coping techniques we can all use, and I am so grateful she is sharing this with you today. No medical advice here, just inspiration and helpful insight. If you're looking for help, please reach out to a licensed therapist or other medical professional. Now let's hear from JJ. JJ, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, Kate? Good, thanks. So this is JJ Kells, and so the audience knows we met back at Butler University. And JJ is talking to me today from Chicago. So thanks so much for being here, JJ. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. I am excited to be here, and it's fun to talk to you regardless. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, JJ, please tell us, who are you and what you do in your own words? So I'm, I call myself a wanderer, and I mean that literally and figuratively. Um, another way that plays out, I, I change my mind a ton. I just like not knowing the future, I think. I am a graduate student right now at DePaul University, which is in Chicago, Illinois. And when I graduate, that part of my future is pretty up in the air, which I kind of don't mind. And um, I do change my mind a ton. That's a big part of all that. I just like not knowing what's going on. And I did start graduate school seven years after graduating from undergraduate school. And did some stuff in between then, which I'll talk a little about. I'm also a runner and I love animals. That's my biggest passion. I think that my purpose is to be a voice for animals and to help them live fulfilling lives. I don't feel like we think about that a lot. Animals being fulfilled and having fun times. And that's really important to me. So my dream is to incorporate some more travel into that and expand my knowledge of wildlife in completely different climates. There's not a ton of wildlife in Chicago. There's some, but not a ton. I just want to expand my my experience. So I'm also, I'm an adventurer, um, whether that's on foot or by, you know, learning or reading. And in general, I just really want to discover as much of the world as I can, just because it's there for us to go explore and learn about and there's so many opportunities and I do have obsessive compulsive disorder it's also called OCD and um, sometimes you'll hear it used as an expression um, so I actually do have a diagnosed version and 
people do use it as an expression, I think, you know, without bad intentions, but I just noted that because actually having it, um, and there's, I don't even know, probably so many people that unfortunately haven't been diagnosed, but having it is um, diagnosed or what, even if you don't know it is kind of torture. Um, so it's not necessarily who I am, but it's a part of my experience all day, every day. And I think it's created pieces of me because I've learned um, that I have knowledge and I have determination. So it's kind of shaped who I am. JJ, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, can I ask that JJ, what, with having OCD and you're also with your love of travel and being that adventurer, do you find that travel helps you with the OCD because you're getting out of your comfort zone or is getting out of your comfort zone a big challenge that you have to work through because of the OCD? I think that it makes me hesitant for sure to try difficult things and to try opportunities that should be fun, should be things to be excited about because I get nervous that I might be triggered by something and my brain, how OCD works for me at the moment is I'll fixate on something I did or said or something in my environment and it's very hard to be present. So I get really nervous before, say, if I were to go on a trip that I won't enjoy it. So I'm hesitant to plan things and things like that. But when I actually do do them, it's hard, but I think it, it helps in the long term to go out of my comfort zone because it teaches me, it teaches the part of my brain that is the OCD that I can still do what I think is fulfilling. I don't have to enjoy every second of it, but I can still look back and see I, I did it. I learned something that was a valuable experience, even if not every part of it was enjoyable. So it's easy to to not try those things. And I'm sure there's many cases where I where I didn't. But in the long term, it's it does help. It teaches your brain that you can live how you want. Great. That was an awesome answer. <laughs> All right, JJ, tell us more about your path. You had mentioned, you know, the seven years in between undergrad and grad school. Just tell us more about your path starting back however far you'd like. So I finished high school and went to college right afterward because people around me did that. I just assumed that it was the path for me. I wasn't told that directly, but I didn't think about other options. I just went ahead and did it. And once I got there, I delayed picking a major as long as possible until an advisor said to me, her name was Jill, and she said, JJ, you have to pick something today. So I'm sure it was that day I picked. I think it was like I had no more time. Um, but then at the same time, it's it's okay because I think regardless of what you major in or what career you start with, you don't have to stick with it. So I remind myself of that. After college, I was a server back here in Chicago for a few years and one day remembered that I really wanted to travel and in that moment decided to take steps to become a flight attendant. So I did do that. I did that for a little over three years. I did live in New York City because that's where I was based, which was awesome because Kate lives there. So I got <laughs> to see you. And um, while I traveled, I did a lot of travel photography just as a hobby. I love photography. So it was really fun to do that um, at the different locations I went to. And through that, I realized I really like doing this. I really like 
being creative and capturing images that my eyes are drawn to. And I wanted to learn more about doing that. And I, I miss being in school. I love being in the classroom. I love taking notes and actually listening to lectures. So I ended up leaving the flight attendant job and came back to Chicago for grad school where I am now. After three quarters of that, I took eight months off to get treatment because at that point my OCD had gotten to its most severe point. It's very, it's a very up and down disorder. And that's when it got very difficult and did not think I was going to return to grad school, but I did return in the fall of 2020 after a family friend named Debbie encouraged me to. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm still in treatment now, along with being in school, but I am doing better than I have in a long time. And that's because of where I now go to therapy, which I'll get to more. Excellent. JJ, such a, an amazing example too, that is important to remember, especially in today's world, that you don't have to pick one thing and stick to it forever. You have the opportunity to explore options, to dive into passions, to take time off to, Make sure that you are helping yourself because if you're not helping yourself, how can you be there for others? So just an amazing example of all of that. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for letting me share. So JJ, I know you have a lot of good news moments to share, you know, despite the, the challenges and the struggles and also some of the struggle moments that maybe turned into good news. So please tell us some of those. There's been a lot of good news in my life. I've always had the things I need, a place to sleep and food and support, and I'm so thankful for that. And at the same time, however, I've felt largely unable to live wholeheartedly for a huge part of my life, and that's made me feel guilty. And the reason for that, though, is because of OCD, and it's very invisible a lot of the time. It's I describe it as mental jail. It has its own rules it wants me to live a certain way and think and do and say certain things and it feels like there's a non-JJ part of my brain that is dictating or trying to dictate my life and when I don't listen I can get so uncomfortable that it's unbearable I feel frozen and as if I can't function for a while and I'm not answering with bad news. It's getting into the good news. It's kind of a journey answer. So originally I started treatment for OCD 17 years ago. And throughout that time, I've been told many different things. And to be fair, treatment has evolved. And I started learning that you are supposed to let OCD exist and frustration will come and misery will come and that's okay. Don't fight it. But I couldn't fully accept that because what's the point if I can't enjoy life? So I was stuck in that. I just couldn't get past that. And I didn't feel hopeful. I felt like people um, with OCD were, it was about getting them to function and not to live. So that was very frustrating to me until early 2021, I um, started at a treatment center here in Chicago and my therapist taught me that it's not just about being okay with, with misery. It's about finding a way to live fully all while coexisting with your diagnosis and the difficult emotions, like the ones I mentioned, those will come, it's inevitable and they will 
probably though stop being so overwhelming if you change your attitude about why they're coming, which for me is the OCD. So the key word through all of this is acceptance. I am learning to accept OCD's presence and it's part of my life and that's okay. Everyone has challenges and this is mine and that's okay. I'm going to let it be there, but I'm not going to let it take over the driver's seat of my life. A really great analogy that I've been taught is think of yourself driving a car and there's a young kid in the back seat and they want you to go this way and to pay attention to them and focus on them and you can tell them you can stay in the car and come for the ride, but I'm going to be the one that's driving. So that's a mindset that I really love. And that's, that's an acceptance mindset. And there's a lot of those and a lot of them are fun. I've learned, um, thinking of different ways to view acceptance. So OCD doesn't stop being stressful, but what I've learned thanks to the therapist where I go um, is that when we try to push it away, it gets stronger. But when, when I stop fighting it, I understand that I can still live with it there. And I kind of understood that much until 2021, but there was still the part about, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm functioning, but enjoying life. And now where I go, they've kind of taught me that second step that if I first learn to do what I want to do while uncomfortable, even if I don't enjoy it, even if I'm frustrated, then I don't try to push that discomfort away. And I don't do things that my brain wants me to do to try to feel better, which they're called compulsions. That's a part of the disorder and they don't work in the long term. Anyway, if I first accept that difficult emotions are there and the OCD is there, but kind of let it float through me, like you think like a river, um, it kind of starts to affect me less. And I've also used new or learned and used new coping strategies because when those difficult emotions come, it is okay to, to learn about healthy ways to, to manage them and let them run their course. One thing I do sometimes is I'll journal, but through drawing. And if I am tr triggered or I have just a really hard experience during the day, I'll draw out an analogy for it. For example, if there's a thought my brain gets fixated on, I'll picture it as a leaf getting caught on a tree root in a river and eventually it'll get unstuck and, and float away. But it kind of helps to think of visuals like that. There's just a leaf stuck. That's what's going on. And I, no matter what, I'm going to work on staying in the driver's seat and continuing to do what I want. And OCD can come along. And for anyone, any challenge you have can come along, but you can still take over the driver's seat. You can maintain that spot. And it wasn't really until I started seeing the therapists I now see that I fully understood these kind of concepts. And, you know, as much as I hate OCD, um, there is a part of me that's really thankful for it because without it, I wouldn't know my sense of motivation and resilience. And I also wouldn't know these amazing people within the past a little over a year that have helped me. I wouldn't have crossed paths with them and learned even more about life. JJ, it's such a journey. Uh, the, I need to just point out again the amount of time and energy you put into also finding that there's a better way of life, right? That there's more than that quote unquote just accepting that it's there, that you can also find the enjoyment in life. And I really love 
how these analogies you're giving and how essentially it's the thoughts passing through but not getting stuck on them. And it also reminds me of things like in meditation, right? They're always talking about seeing the thoughts, you hear them, but then they just go through or, and a lot of different, you know, mental challenges. There, there are these concepts. And so thank you so much for sharing because I find that so inspiring that word I love, resilience, that you have found with all of this. So I hope you're really proud of yourself too with the incredible journey that you've, you know, really made sure that you've found, like I said, something beyond the acceptance too. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love the word resilience and everyone has it. It's, we all discover it at different times in different ways. I, that, I really think it's inside everyone and it's just what something will make you discover it or discover different levels of it. That's a great way to put it. Uh, JJ, can you talk about any mantras or quotes that have really helped you throughout these years? So yeah, one thing that I really like to do that I came up with a while ago is to think of myself as a child. And when there's times that I feel like giving up and that I don't want to move forward and it's just things feel like too much, I think of myself as a child. For example, you wouldn't want a young child to not follow their dreams and not try to find fulfillment and explore and do what they want to do. And I'm still that person, but I use that as my inspiration and it's a good way of holding myself accountable. You can use that too if you know it's very easy to to have negative self-talk and things like that and you hopefully wouldn't talk to a child that way. So if you think of it, how would you treat yourself as a kid? That really helps me because I know that when I was a kid, I suffered silently for many years because I was too scared to talk about what was happening in my brain. Um, it, it was really miserable and lonely a lot of the time. And even though I had what I needed, it was hard to be present for life. And now I understand all these concepts. And it's hard to think about that because I just remember being so frustrated as a child and lost. And so now when I'm tempted to kind of let OCD take over and win and I don't want to fight for what I want to do. I remember that I owe it to that child, to myself as a kid, to fight for my own mental health and my right to live how I want to live and not how OCD wants to. I even will look at pictures of myself from when I was a child as inspiration. I really love that that technique. And um, I, when I am having a, a triggering moment, if my brain is having an OCD episode, so to speak, and it's really fixated on something. I try to call it a discomfort party. I just picture my brain is just throwing a party. It's celebrating discomfort. And that's just what's happening right now. I even have drawn, drawn a picture of that, like discomfort having a party. And that's, it doesn't necessarily take away the frustration, but I realize, okay, I can let the party happen. That's something I can handle. And similarly, when I talked about kind of water, like riding the wave and like surfing and letting a river or tide run through you is a really good analogy for letting the hard parts of life ha happen. They, they have their own way of bringing you fulfillment and helping you grow. And I think you mentioned a wave before, um, or something relatively similar. And that's a good one too. If you picture yourself in the ocean and a, a big, you know, like on the shore and a big wave comes and you try to fight it, 
it's still going to suck you down and it might even be more uncomfortable. But if you just lay there and ride it, it'll get nerve wracking. Like your stomach might drop, you know, when you get higher, but it does calm down eventually. So thinking of difficult moments like that and just writing them out, not necessarily, you know, not doing anything. There's healthy coping skills, but instead of trying to make them not exist, just write it out. There's so many concepts in there that every one of us can use in some way, shape or form. You've mentioned the, the drawing aspect and the journaling, huge, right? Every person on this earth can benefit from that, right? And I love the talking to yourself as a child, right? I yeah. mean, I, I, I guess there are some really mean people out there, but I don't know of anybody who would talk to a five-year-old, you know, and say like, you know, how could you blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I love that aspect and the visualization, like you said, that just picturing what's going on in your brain, giving it like, even like personifying it or creating a scene out of it and all of these amazing ways. So again, thank yeah, you, Sherry. Yeah, you're welcome. And thinking of it as just it's temporary. It's a, it's a show, you know, you're a performer. It's, it's a show that's going on in your brain and you can handle it. It's annoying and to have to host that show, but it's, it's okay. And, um, yeah, I love, I love the wave one, one as well. I, that makes me think of you, especially, I don't know. I just can see the, the letting the river run through you is a very Kate oh. type of thing. <laughs> oh, thanks. I also, the word you just said that I want to highlight in bold temporary right so much so much of just life in general and the challenges that feel so huge in the moment they're so temporary uh you know not everything but so many of them are on a daily basis so that's an important concept too yeah absolutely yeah. it's it's a ride it's sometimes there's really high hills and sometimes it's smoother but yeah and i love, I love analogies they're oh they're so helpful uh jj I've been asking this question as one of my five for the season. If someone came to you and they wanted to make a difference, but didn't know where to start. And I'm even going to say, you know, whether it's in the world or in their own world, right? Internally or externally, what would you say to them? I think that it can get overwhelming because there's many ways to make a difference. And there's many aspects of life that need to be better. I mean, there's so much about the world that would need to change and it would be great if it can all just be better. But I think it's important to remember that we can't contribute everywhere. Um, but at the same time, what if all of us, what if every single person picked something that was the most important to them? That's something that kind of makes their heart react the most. What if everyone chose somewhere to try to make a difference? Um, and I, I think the effects would be really enormous. Like if every single person, every time they wish they could have an impact on something, no matter how unbelievable it seemed, if they instead tried to make a difference anyway, um, I just think that is a, a good mindset to have and just find what you're most passionate about. And it's, it's easy to get held back and discouraged by thinking that there's just too much that needs to be done or, or changed or reacted to but really anything is significant so find your niche if like for me it's of course i care about a lot of things but i know animals is just the thing that makes my heart react most um 
So that's where I try to devote my energy to, because I know I can have the most impact if I fully commit myself to one place and the best I can, and hopefully encourage other people to do that as well, but in the space that most inspires them. And just don't, I would tell people to not get held back by thinking, you know, of course that you can't make a change because the smallest thing is significant. My other reaction when you hear or think about comments like, you know, there's just too much, you can't help that. Okay, so think of one of your heroes. Um, What if that person had taken on that mindset? What if they had thought that I can't make a big enough difference? And, you know, they wouldn't have made the changes they had made. So for example, what if my, my current therapists, what have they had lived by that idea? and thought, well, I can't really help people, you know, emotionally, and they hadn't pursued a career in mental health, then I wouldn't have made the progress I had made. And I'm just one person. I'm sure they see tons of other people that they've helped, you know, just as much, and if not more, in just amazing ways. So yeah, my reaction to that is, if, what if your hero had taken on that mindset? Um, think about what would not have been accomplished. So what if my therapist had not pursued a career in mental health because they thought they couldn't help people emotionally? I wouldn't have been helped by them in the way that I am. And that's true for other people they help as well. So one of my other heroes, besides these therapists that I've been talking about is Jane Goodall. If you are familiar, she's done incredible, or Dr. Jane Goodall, she's done incredible work for animals. So what if she had had the mindset I can't really make a difference and hadn't gone for it. Think of what would not have happened if she had chosen to, to think, well, I can't make a big enough difference. So but sometimes we also hear too that life's not fair and that's true, but it doesn't mean that we can't try to make it more fair and give everyone a chance. And just because one person can't do everything doesn't mean that we can't all do something. So there's, there's always somewhere, some wave that you can make. So we can't, of course, as one person fix everything that's um, fixable, I guess, in the world. That's just not, that's just not possible. Um, But we can all try to fix something or part of something. So I think that it's it's okay to want to make life fair. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean that it's likely it would be probably, I don't even know how hard to make the whole world fair. I don't even know if that's possible, but we can all just try to give other people a chance and increase the fairness. I don't think there's anything wrong with that to just give everyone a chance. I think that's the best way I can put it. Um, Do what you can to give every person or every animal or every idea that you are inspired by to like make it thrive, to just make life fulfilling around the world. And in little ways you can contribute to that, to make life fair, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. And I just too, hearing your story of like finding that in yourself too, of like how you can fight to know that you can live a better life and a happier life and you keep finding that within yourself. And that is so awesome and so inspirational. And just you saying this out loud here, for the listeners to hear. I'm so appreciative because 
you're taking that step to help others in showing you're not alone. There are ways and no matter what we struggle with, there are ways to make life more positive, right? And and more comfortable or more confident. And so I really appreciate all of that, JJ. Yeah, thank you so much. I That was very, very well said. And it can be like so many parts of life can be lonely, but trying to, to make a difference somewhere can be lonely, especially if maybe it's something that hasn't been approached much before. But like, look at history. That's how history happens when people <laughs> decide I'm going to go for this, even though it doesn't seem doable and not everyone values it as much. Um, I think that's, that's how, you know, historical and things happen. And it doesn't have to be this big movement or big, um, what's the word I'm looking at? Gesture, but it's okay to feel lonely because sometimes loneliness kind of means that you're doing something really unique and maybe not everyone has had that kind of experience. So that's a, a weird way to kind of look at at frustration as well it's because you're doing something worthwhile that's a great way to frame it hey jj if people want to follow you online or reach out to you what's the best way for them to find you so can i give is my email address a good yeah one? that's fine uh-huh so my email address would be one it's jj nicole kells so two j's and then nicole n-i-c-o-l-e and then kells k-e-l-l-s as in the name Sam, so at gmail.com. I do have Instagram. I don't have a ton of posts, but I am getting more into it. So my Instagram is uh, the number two, so two J's, like I'm JJ, and then versus, which is VS. And then if you're a Harry Potter fan, <laughs> Voldemort is the last part. So two J's versus Voldemort. So two J's, VS, V-O-L-D-E-M-O-R-T. <laughs> The reason for that is I've heard that it is helpful to give your OCD a name and that makes it more relatable, more tackleable and less intimidating. So I love Harry Potter. And that was the name that I was like, that's going to work great for me. I'm going to think of it as Voldemort. And I made it my Instagram handle. So that's the reason for that. I am on Facebook as well um, under JJ and then Nichols. JJ, thank you. Oh, and the, all of that information will be in the show notes as well. But thank you for your time. Thank you for your inspiration. So appreciative. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you so much, Kate, for having me. I appreciate it. This has been out of my comfort zone for sure. Um, and it's just been a really good time. I really appreciate you letting me be vulnerable. And it's hard, but let me just say that Kate, as a host, is amazing. She makes you feel like you're having a fun conversation. And it's just amazing to get to talk with her. And I, you made this very rewarding. Like I said, I was nervous. I'm I'm sure maybe other people get nervous for things like this, but I really appreciated just getting to reflect in this way. It helped me. And I hope that some of what I said is relatable or helpful to other people. And I think you helped, um, everything you added was like, yes, she's getting what I'm saying. <laughs> well, thank you. Cause I know it took a lot to share and that was a very personal story, but I still, it just, it's going to help so many people too, of that there is so much goodness in you. And by finding that you can then bring it out into the world more. So thank you for being such a great example of that. Oh, you're so welcome. And that's, I think, you know, it's 
the product of people around you, which there's been a lot of, but for this topic, for sure, the, the therapists that I've worked with, um, Alyssa and Leslie are just unbelievable people that have changed my life. And I really, I hope it came across how much those people have helped me grow. They've helped me kind of put all of this into words and want to be excited about life again. Thanks so much for listening to some more good news with Kate Cherichello. Whether you're listening on YouTube or via podcast, it would mean the world if you liked, subscribed, and or left a review. If you have stories of good news that need to be shared, please send me a message. Thanks again and have a great week.